I was going to come up and do a dance to that song for all of you, but my wife told me she'd leave if I did. So I thought, well, I better not do that. I hope you can concentrate now. You would have been able to if I had a dance for you, I'll tell you that. Your mind would have been blown. Okay. Ah. Well, I want to welcome all of you. It's good to have you tonight. And uh, Dave, thanks for our new sound. We got new speakers going on tonight. So if only we had a strobe light. I said if we had a strobe light, I would have danced. But no strobe light. I, I can't do without a strobe light. Anyway, I do want to welcome all of you tonight. It's a wonderful thing to know the Lord. We have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for, and, and so much to be happy about. Even though we live in a world that's kind of going crazy, it's just so encouraging to know we're not from this world. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Now, for those of you who are here for the first time, I, I got to introduce this a little bit. The topic is entitled, Instruction for Aliens. And uh, believe it or not, I didn't make that up. It's right out of the book of 1 Peter. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that we're aliens in this world. Now, I want to make it really clear that Christians are not from another planet. We were born on this planet, but as Christians, we're now aliens on this planet, and we're going to another one. And everyone is welcome. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about this incredible, incredible plan that God put into motion when he created the world. And you're going to understand a little bit more tonight of the secret plan of God in the world and why he brought you into the world. And how this whole thing is all going to end up because, you know, I'm, if you've been watching the news at all, you realize that, my gosh, everything is just crazy. You got Ebola here and you got Ebola there and you got terrorists there and terrorists here and you got all kinds of things changing in the nation. And I won't even get into what the Supreme Court didn't do this last week if you were keeping your eyes on that. <clears throat> so it's, it's, as a Christian, as a person who loves Christ, as a person who's come to know Jesus Christ personally, that's a Christian, this world feels more and more strange. And we feel more and more odd in this place. So I'm just going to read to you tonight. I want to start out with just a couple passages out of 1 Peter and chapter 1. And um, I'm reading from my little Berkeley New Testament. So if you wonder, well, what version is that? This is called the Berkeley Bible. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen in accordance with the foreknowledge of God the Father, and consecrated by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Now I want to pause on that for just a moment. So <clears throat> last week, <clears throat> I can't get into it tonight, but I explained to you <clears throat> Man's choice and God's free, God's choice and man's free will. <clears throat> and, I, and I tried to help you understand the harmonic balance of Scripture. Though I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that Christians have been arguing about this for hundreds of years. And even today, there are many who argue about it. But I believe the Scripture is not difficult to understand on this topic. <clears throat> the Bible tells us in Ephesians... And I read this to you last week, so let me just read you 
this simple introduction of the Apostle Paul. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly spheres through Christ, even as he has chosen us in Christ before the world was founded to be holy and blameless in his presence. In love, he predestined us in Jesus Christ to be his sons in agreement with the kind intention of his will. I believe if you read Scripture, and again, as I shared with you last week, Scripture will answer Scripture. You need to learn to read in context of the passage, but you also need to realize that we need all the pieces of Scripture to help fill out the picture so you have a proper understanding of what this means. I believe this text teaches that he predetermined. Here's what God predetermined. He predetermined that those who would believe in his son, Jesus Christ, would be his sons and daughters. I do not believe that the Bible teaches he predetermined who would believe. And that's different. What did God choose? What is God's choice? He chose when he made the world. He chose before the world began that he would send his son. His son is God. God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit are one, three, but one. Jesus didn't have to think about it. Jesus is one and united with the Father. And he knew the plan before the world ever began. Here's the other thing God chose. God chose the year and the place and the time and the family that you would be born into. You had no choice in the matter. And the Bible says in Acts that God caused you to come into this world. He chose the exact boundaries, the exact century, the exact geography where you were born so that perchance you would grope for God in our spiritual blindness. You see, we're blind. We have eyes, physical eyes, but spiritually we're born blind because we've been infected by sin passed on to us from Adam. that perchance you would grope for God and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men, not some men, not the chosen few men, but all men unto me. Once we are in Christ, once we become a Christian, we are placed into the church, and the church is the chosen people of God in this world to represent God to the world. And God demonstrates himself to the world through his people, as he did to the world in the Old Testament through his people, the Jewish nation. Not all that were born Jewish were true people of faith. For the Bible teaches us that the true Israel of God are those who believe in Jesus Christ and have been circumcised in a spiritual circumcision, not an outward circumcision. These are how you put the text together. This is how you help yourself understand it. And it's part of my responsibility is to help you understand it. But here's what I want you to understand. What did God have planned for us? When we came to Christ, here's what he did. He consecrated us by the Spirit to be obedient to Christ. 
And I want to discuss this with you a little bit tonight, and we're going to read some other passages here in 1 Peter. The word consecrated means to set apart, <clears throat> to set apart. <clears throat> I don't know if you have certain clothes that you wear only for a certain occasion to a certain place. That would be, those would be what we call consecrated clothes. <clears throat> They're for a special purpose. Or maybe you have special dishes that you only bring out at a special time. Maybe only Thanksgiving. Those are set apart for Thanksgiving. God, when he saved us through Jesus Christ, and 1 Peter mentions salvation three times in the first chapter. Salvation. God's salvation plan. What does it mean? What does that mean? Well, God is saving us some, from something, and he's saving us to something. <clears throat> he saved us from our terrible, sinful selves. He saved us from the destructive power of sin. He saved us from the penalty of sin. He saved us from eternal condemnation in hell because of sin. He saved us from the judgment of God. And he saved us to eternal life with a new body and a new heaven and a new earth, a place that we will live forever with no pain, no sorrow, no injustice, no cruelty, no abuse, no diseases, no illnesses, no boredom. And we'll live in unbelievable joy and spiritual bliss and physical bliss. It's not just a spiritual place, but it's also a physical reality in which God is going to bring us to. <clears throat> and so when you and I live in this world and we see all these distressing things about us as believers and Christians, <clears throat> we might be distressed. We will be, by the way. In the same book of First Peter, but when we get to Second Peter, in his second letter before Peter died, <clears throat> he writes this comment about Lot. Now, I don't know if any of you saw the, um, the it, it was called The Bible, and it was on, I think, HBO or some cable show for a while, and Ro Roma Downey, is that her name? Her and her husband produced the series, and they show the section of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can read about it in the Bible if you want. <clears throat> there are two times that God um, judges people as a demonstration of what's coming on the world someday. The first <clears throat> was Noah. Noah and the flood. And God destroyed the earth because, not the earth, but the people on it because of their immense wickedness and rebellion against God. <clears throat> the second time we see a demonstration of God's judgment was on Sodom and Gomorrah, where literally he told Lot to get his family, get out of here. I'm going to destroy this place, this city, and fire and brimstone rained down from heaven, and he destroyed them for their wickedness. <clears throat> so God is trying to help us understand that sin is devastating. And, but here's what it says about Lot. It says, Lot's righteous soul was tormented night and day by the lawless deeds of the wicked around him. It was tormented. Before we were aliens, we weren't tormented. Before I came to Christ, to be really honest, I'm not proud of this, but this was my reality. I drove a friend to have an abortion. Now the thought of abortion sickens me 
the reality of what it really is, what it's really doing. But when I was 19 years old, not following Christ, I did not care. Immorality did not bother me. Today, it sickens me. The kind of, of me, I was, I, I, I thought hate was just normal. I thought selfishness was normal. I thought pride was normal. And now those things today, they sicken me. And the more that I've grown in Christ, the more I'm tormented by all the brokenness and all the pain and all the wickedness in our world, all the lies, all the corruption. What keeps me sane is breathing spiritual air. What keeps me sane is knowing God is going to bring justice to the world. And he's going to change it all. And he's going to deliver us from all of this. And that's what Paul is trying to write in 1 Peter. If you saw the movie Gladiator, you got a little bit of a taste. Or if you saw the movie The Eagle, you got a little taste of what the Romans were like of what the early world was like. It's hard for us to understand the brutality of the ancient world. But this is the world that Paul's writing, or Peter's writing to. He's writing to Jewish Christians. They were born Israelis. They were born Jewish. And then they came to Christ. They came to know the one true Messiah. And they were scattered because of the persecution that took place in Jerusalem. And they were killing Christians. They were slaughtering them. They would come to their homes, they would drag them out, much like you see has happened with the Taliban in Afghanistan or with ISIS and what's going on right now in Kobani. That's the kind of stuff that the early church endured. And in fact, by the way, there are more Christian martyrs today going on, dying, being tortured to death than, than all combined in the early, early times of Christianity. And so it was a brutal world that they lived in. And so Paul, or Peter, is writing to them as God's people to encourage them, to sustain them through the difficulties and the struggles they were going through. So he goes on, he, <clears throat> he talks about God's great mercy and this incredible inheritance that we have coming and that God's power is going to protect us. God will not lose you. You don't keep yourself, God keeps you. And he protects you because of your faith in Christ. Now, this is important you understand this. <clears throat> he, you're not protected because you keep believing every day, and if you struggle with your faith, you're no longer saved or protected. He keeps you because of your initial faith in Jesus Christ, which at that moment caused you to be born again, which Peter uses that term. We read it in the book of John, but we also find it here that we've been born again to a living hope and that we're protected by God and that he's going to take us safely to that day. We may have trials in between now and then. We may have struggles in between now and then, but he's not going to lose you. He's not going to allow you to be ruined in this world and then separated from him. This world honestly, it's such a brief moment. Some of us that are parents, <clears throat> it's hard for me sometimes to put my life in perspective because um, I, I know, I, 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 I understand that I don't necessarily look young, but I feel really vibrant. 
but I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm not far from 60. And I have seven grandchildren. And in 10 years, my youngest, he'll be 17 years old. Life flies by. Now, I know when you're 20 and 25, it doesn't feel that way. It did, I, I remember that. I remember hearing the preacher talking, oh, life, it goes by like that. I'm like, no, I don't. I got a long, long time. And sure enough, here I am, you know, some 35 years later almost. But in just a snap of a finger, it's going to be over. And we're going to be with Christ. We're going to be with Christ. And all of this garbage is going to be gone. And all the struggle that we have. But in the meantime, God has a plan for our lives. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. So I'm going to start with verse 13. Therefore, therefore, in light of what's coming, in light of the salvation that you have now, prepare your mind for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the gift that's going to be given to you when Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, I'm going to skip over to a verse. Just, I'm just going to read it. We'll get to it a little more in the weeks to come, but it's relevant to this comment. And again, this is the verse about aliens. This is 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I beg you, I implore you, one version says, as aliens and strangers in this world, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father on the day he visits us. So now we flip back over and we see again, prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the gift that's going to be given to you when Jesus is revealed as obedient children do not conform to evil desires that live within you. Now I want to talk about this with you tonight, okay? <clears throat> what, is, what is God calling you and I to? He's calling us to a life of holiness, which means we step back from evil. We don't participate in it. We don't feed the evil desire. Now not every desire that we have <clears throat> is evil. It's not evil to eat, you need to eat food. It's not evil, I need to sleep. It's not evil to enjoy your job. It's not evil to gratefully enjoy the things God has made, to enjoy creation. It's not evil for a married couple to enjoy sex. But I want to just talk about this for a moment because the Bible talks extensively about sensual pleasure. God created, and I did a whole series on this. If you want to get it, it's called What About Sex? It's up to you, but if you want to get it, go to strongdisciple.com, and I think it might illuminate your mind on a number of things. But our world has taken this and twisted it. Of course, they did in the Roman world, too. The Romans were extremely, extremely immoral people. But, but everywhere we go today, it's just, you're just almost attacked by sensuality. And for me personally, <clears throat> it's, this is one of the main reasons, there are other reasons, that I just decided to quit watching television. It's just softcore porn everywhere. 
I happened to be uh, traveling to Chicago this last week, and I and so I was I was in meetings from like morning till eight at night almost every day. But one particular night, I ordered a hamburger up to my room, and I decided I'd watch a movie. But every once in a while, they'd have a commercial, and I it just and usually I'll mute it because I don't even want to hear them. I'm so tired of the propaganda. But I don't know if you realize this, but what television has effectively done is marketed evil. For, for example, just take a, a talk show. You might have this talk show, this wonderful, attractive host. And they're there, and they bring on this uh, guy, and they interview him as if it's just very normal, and he's sleeping with mother and daughter. He's sleeping, having sex with the mom, not his mom, but the teenage girl he's also sleeping with, and they just it's just normal. I could describe so many ways in which your senses have been so reduced and you don't even realize and it just comes at your mind. It comes at your brain. And as an alien, to be honest, it's really sickening. But if you're not careful and if you don't feed on the pure milk of the word, which we're going to talk about tonight, your senses begin to get dull and you get sucked in. And the next thing you know, you're living to indulge your desire, evil desires. Now, I want you to understand something about God. This is very important to understand. Sometimes people think, God, I remember when I was young, especially when I was a teenager, and I grew up going to church, and I grew up hearing people preach, and I knew about the Bible, and I'm just thinking, you know, this God thing, all he wants to do is keep people from having fun. That's really all he wants to do. God is just trying, God is so legalistic and overbearing and dogmatic, and all he wants to do is destroy people's lives. So, so I'd like to maybe try to help you understand for a moment the real true reality, all right? There's not a person here tonight that wants to get Ebola. Not a person. And I'm sure if you're watching the news, you're realizing that there's actually a lot of really horrified people. And, and um, it's, it's tragic what's happening. It's tragic what's happening. There's not a person here tonight that wants to end up with tuberculosis, there's not a person here tonight who wants cancer. But can I tell you something really honestly? Really honestly? I've lived a lot of years now, and I deal with a lot of people. I've dealt with thousands of people. Thousands. The most devastating thing in the world, worse than any disease, is sin. Sin. It's terrible. It's so deceptive. It lies to you. It makes you think you're going to be happy. And the next thing you know, it sucks the life right out of you. And you become addicted to something that no matter how much you get of it, never makes you happy. I have dealt, for example, I have dealt with individuals who are in a relationship, married, and are so addicted to pornography that is gutting and destroying their marriage, and they don't care. They don't care. And it's dominating their life, and it's infecting their work situation, and they don't care. They're so blind. Some of you maybe grew up with a situation with someone who, who alcohol was their life, and you're looking at the outside. You're on the outside going, do you not see how this is destroying your life? Do you not get it? And they just want more and more and more and more. It destroys their relationships. It destroys their life. It kills brain cells. It rots their liver. And in the end, it, your life is ruined. 
This is what sin does. And yet, here's the thing, no matter who we are, there's a part of this old body, see, that's not gone yet. God hasn't taken our body yet. We want it. We want it. There's like a craving. I'll never forget. You know, I, I start following Jesus. I'm 19 years of age, right? I'm 19. <clears throat> so I give my life to Christ. And I mean, I, I was very serious. I am an all-or-nothing guy. So <clears throat> for me, when God, I went all the way in rebellion, <clears throat> <clears throat> except for drugs and alcohol. I didn't do that because I just, I just knew it could rob me of my life. <clears throat> but I went into other things. And the night I gave my life to Christ, the first thing I did um, after I gave my life to Christ by a river was broke up with a girl that I was sleeping with, being immoral with. Just like that. I didn't think twice about it. I mean, it's gone. And, and then I start praying and I start reading my Bible and... Um, God just changed. I was, I was happy. I was a very sullen person before I came to Christ. Very angry all the time. Very sullen. And um, I didn't really care about other people. I, I didn't at all. I cared about myself. <clears throat> and, and Christ changed that. I mean, that night, it was as if I got taken over. My mother could see it uh, in the apology I made to her, in the acceptance of the wrongs that I had done, trying to make amends. So, so I'm following the Lord, right? And I'm following the Lord, but, but, then, but then I began to realize, as I was 20, 21, 22, then I got married, 23, I began to realize that the passions that I had sowed as a young man, I began to feel the pull of the flesh, the, the, those desires, man. And, and, and when it talks about how they wage war against your soul, I can't tell you how many times as a young man, in tears, in tears, I walked begging God to castrate me. Begging God, take away these desires. I hate this. I hate this. That, that wasn't how I was before I started following Christ. Something had changed. And I'll never forget, you know, this verse is so personal to me. Therefore, be alert. Be alert. Get ready for action. Be self-controlled. And I remember my wife said it to me once in our early years of marriage. She said it many times. Mark, Mark, you need self-control. You need self-control. And I was, I was a young Christian. I was learning what it meant to put to death the desires of my flesh and submit to God. And submit to God. And you see, what you have to realize is though at the time it seemed painful, it was this painful process, it was a wonderful thing. Because sin destroys our life. Those evil desires kill a marriage. They kill a relationship. They destroy. Selfishness destroys. Doesn't make you happy. When Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, he really meant it. He really meant it. As we learn in our life and in our relationships to give, as we learn not to think about our own interest, but think about the interest of another, we find fulfillment. <clears throat> and I can tell you this, honestly, God is my witness. 35 years I've been married, and I'm telling you, my marriage today is so different than those first five years. <clears throat> Those first five especially, they were, they were really painful as my old flesh pulled me one way, and, but God was trying to get me to go the other way. And as I learned 
as I continue to live and, and put to death those things, you see, and not give in to whatever desire it was for self, <clears throat> the stronger I got and the, the more joy there was in my Christian life because I realized I was created by God to live in obedience to Jesus Christ because that's where happiness is found. That's where joy is found. Walking in the ways of God, not in the ways of carnal, sinful man. Changed everything. It just changed everything in my life. Now, <clears throat> I'm not purporting here tonight that I am Marcus sinlessly perfect. I can just tell you that in a practical daily sense, I'm a lot more righteous today than I was when I was 25. Because we grow in the Lord. We grow as we do this. <clears throat> Therefore, Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, every kind. And like newborn babies, eagerly desire the pure milk of the word of God so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted the Lord is good. <clears throat> now I can tell you the most significant habit of my life <clears throat> from the first night I began to follow Christ the very next day, I got a Bible and I began to read it. Every single day have I read for the last, now it's almost 40 years. <clears throat> and I just thought about the Word of God and I rolled it over and over in my mind and I underlined and I wrote little things in the side margin and I memorized verses and I fed on God's truth and I fed on God's truth and I fed on God's truth because you see, we need more than physical food because we're aliens. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God when we come to Christ. We can't survive without his truth. And just like we have some, you notice we have a lot of babies around here. We're a baby-making church, see? Because we enjoy the gift God created for us to enjoy. And it often ends up producing children. And they're a gift, we view them as a gift. The Bible says they're a gift. Blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. They're a gift. They're not meant to be a pain. They're not meant to ruin your life. They're a gift. They're a joy. And God also gives us instructions of how to train them and how to train them to be a joy. But that's another topic for another time. <clears throat> the point is, you see some of these little babies? <laughs> they cry. They're often hungry. They want milk. They want milk. Uh, praise God he didn't make babies stupid. He made them helpless, but didn't make them stupid. They know they need milk. And when you nurse them or put a bottle in their mouth, unless they have a terrible allergy, they eat. But, but as Christians, what do we do? We ignore the most important food in the world. We just, you know, we ignore it. We ignore it. Can I just tell you the honest truth? The honest truth in a gigantic study that was done of 43,000 Christians, aged 13 to 80, found that Approximately 75% of all Christians, all those who claim to know Jesus Christ, own a Bible but never, ever read it. <laughs> well, is any wonder that the church is so dead in America? <laughs> is it, I mean, can you imagine we had this whole room of our little babies, we put them on the floor and they just laid there for days and they didn't eat? How weak they would become? How listless they would become? <clears throat> and so the Bible tells us, look, 
Prepare your mind for action. Prepare your mind for action. Live a self-controlled, focused life. Remember what you're about. Remember why you're here. Bring God honor and glory with your life. Be holy like God is holy. Grow to be like God. And through that, we reveal him to the world in which we live. And you experience the joy and the vitality and the meaning. <clears throat> I've learned in my life, I'll close with this. I will go to <clears throat> any lengths to develop righteousness in my life. <clears throat> and, and I want you to think about what are ways that you could practically <clears throat> have less to do with evil what are ways that you could deal with less temptation in your life? Are there things you could do that you could take out of your life? For example, as a young man, I knew I, I, never, I never had cable. I'm never going to have cable. For me personally, I'm not saying you. You can decide what God wants you to do. I'm not going to get a smartphone. I'm not going to have in the palm of my hand every kind of possible distraction known to man with over a billion sites that could be gone to. I just, I don't need that in my life. See, so some people say, Mark, you're kind of like a monk. Well, I'm married, <laughs> and I enjoy that girl. I'll tell you that. I'm crazy about her. But there are ways that I am very monkish on purpose, on purpose. Because, because I make, you know what the Bible says? Make no provision for the flesh with regard to its lust. And I do every possible thing to keep my life simple to not allow, I'm going to close with this last verse, all right? This is the book of 1 John. These guys, of course, were all apostles of Jesus, so they all heard the same messages from the Lord, and they're all writing. Do not love the world or anything in this world, because you're an alien. If anyone loves the world, although the Father's not in him, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes...